Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Hey, everybody, I'm Rachel Bonetta. And I'm Rechna Frukbaum. And this is Hall of Shame. Hi, Rachel. Hey, girl. Hey. How? Okay. You guys can't see this because it's a podcast, but Reshna is <laughs> bandaged up from head to toe. Care to explain what the hell happened to you this week? Well, first of all, not my head because I was wearing a helmet. There you go. But I was riding my bike and a guy accidentally opened his car door into me and I swerved to avoid <gasps> it and ate shit. Oh on concrete, and so I'm banged up on the left side of my body. And I got to say, obviously, terrible, terrible. But terrible. what what might be even worse is that you decided <laughs> to cold text me just <laughs> photos of the wounds, like yeah. no explanation, just like <laughs> here I am. This is this is what's going on. Like no, no, no. I think I'm not. <laughs> I don't know if anyone is an open wound person. Yeah. But I think I checked my phone. Across. <laughs> Suffice it to say, you were never meant to be a doctor. <laughs> no, thank <laughs> you. I'm glad you're okay, though, buddy. That's scary. Hey, thanks. Cool news. I ride a bike. <laughs> cool reveal in the story. Cool, cool little fact about me. With a I helmet. Know how to ride a bike. What's um, going on? What else is going on? How are you? Are you hanging in there? Are you okay? You know, I'm hanging in. Yeah. It's it's a weird time. It is. How a weird are you? Time. I was just telling you, I deleted Twitter and Instagram off my phone last Good. week. Good. For you. I don't know how Truly. long it's going to last for. I don't I don't know what I'm trying to do. I mean, like, I still go on Twitter on my computer when I'm, like, yeah. sitting down in the morning. But no, like, scrolling. It's kind of nice. It's like I, I, have, like, want oh. to... I'm sure there's an app to do this where, like, I can't get on Twitter at certain times. Ooh. Because maybe that's a good balance so I can still catch up. Yeah. But... I just always get those notifications on my phone, like the screen time, and I I'm... Know. Horrified, horrified with myself. I think in this time in particular, we're all. It's so hard to stay away. But at, at some point, it's like you know, I'll watch the news yeah. and I'll obviously know what's going on. But like, I don't need to hear why Susan's not fucking wearing a mask anymore. You know. <laughs> well, I'm over it, Susan. Shall I help you escape for a minute? Oh, you know, this is why I love this podcast is because it has nothing to do with anything that's going on right now, and it's. You know, we can laugh at other people's troubles most times. Well, let me ask you a question to take your mind off of this. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been to France? I've never been to France. And I've never wanted to go more than I do right now. Oh my! Well, you and I are definitely going the second we can. Yeah. It's one of my favorite places. Oh, wow. When I was 15, I did like one of those exchanges and stayed with a family what? Yeah. And I, my like French sister was named Magali de Leon and she was so cool and she smoked cigarettes and she taught me how to smoke <laughs> cigarettes. Like my life changed in Paris. Oh my God. We had a French exchange student come and stay with us. Oh. Uh, and we just called him Cheese. <laughs> okay. 
chips. <laughs> well, cheese and I seem like we had different experiences in yeah, our time. Yeah, that seems uh, that's Canada versus France for you. But sure. wow, that's cool. So you were smoking ciggies and hanging out in France. Look yeah, at you. I learned how to like kiss on the cheek as a greeting. <gasps> you know. Wow. Learned how to eat my meat medium rare instead how old of well were you? done. <laughs> that is, I'd done up until then. I was 15. How, were you like drinking wine in the street? Yeah, like it was, it was cool. How long were you there for? Just like three weeks. Oh, wow. And that, it just changed you so quickly. It changed me so quick. I'm so easily transformed. <laughs> I'm ready to go to France. I'm ready to drink a butt ton of wine and just like eat cheese. That sounds like a dream. Well, look, I can't fly you to Paris. Bummer. But what I can tell you is with today's story, I'm taking you to France. Oh, okay. Okay. Today, we're going to talk about a history-making figure skater who you may have never heard of by the name of Surya Bonali. Ooh, never heard of her. So Surya Bonali was born Claudine in December 1973 in Nice, France. She was adopted from an orphanage at eight months by two white French parents. She herself is black. Her adopted mother, Suzanne, was a phys ed teacher and started teaching her gymnastics training when she was only two. Started early. Oh, damn. (laughs) I can't ever imagine, like, (laughs) making my kid do something so intensely at two. (laughs) Besides, like, like, get up on those uneven bars and go. (laughs) She's like, mama? (laughs) You said your first word. Ah! (laughs) Anyway, Saria was encouraged to try a variety of sports and was a pretty good all-around athlete. She also fenced, dove, and rode horses. Damn. She could do almost anything. Yeah. Okay, fancy. At a TEDx event, she said, I did diving, fencing, horse riding, many sports except catching a ball. No good at all. (laughs) (laughs) She's just like, no ball sports. I like that she's honest. I love it. Not into balls. Got it. I guess if you're that good at other things, you're like, I'm fine to admit I'm not good at totally. balls. So by 12, see, this is what happens when you start at two. By 12, you're achieving anything. <laughs> <laughs> so by 12, Saria had won silver in the World Tumbling Championships and began figure skating. Oh. From the start, her figure skating had a unique style that stood out from the typical form at the time. Her skating was heavily informed by her gymnastics, and she would experiment with stuff like flips on the ice, which, uh, I'm wow, sorry. wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's take a quick pause here. Yeah. She Meanwhile, your girls all bandaged up from a bike ride. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the things that I was experimenting with at 12 was like maybe a cool new eyeshadow. <laughs> a girl was doing flips on ice. Okay. Uh, <laughs> roger that. Roger that. Love it. So some felt this made her seem more strong than elegant, which was viewed as taboo for women on the ice and probably especially, here we go, for a black athlete in a sport like figure skating, which is predominantly white, Mm -hmm. of course. Figure skating is obsessed with that ice princess look. Think Nancy Kerrigan. And Saria definitely didn't fit that typical mold. Yeah, wow. But she was determined. She practiced seven to ten hours a day. I do nothing seven to ten hours a day. Except for sleep. (laughs) Even then, I'm bad at sleeping. I feel like I wake up several times. But not our girl. Eventually, in 1984, she began training under coach Didier Gaillaget in Paris. Can I ask you a question? Uh Do you think that any human in the world, if they worked at something seven to ten hours a day, could achieve, like, high success like this? 
I believe that 10,000 hours gets you great. Mm-hmm. I believe that, like, to be excellent, like Jordan excellent, Serena Williams excellent, Roger Federer excellent, there is an a, something extra you have. special little have. something. Yeah, something, like if you right? look at, like, for instance, a pro tennis tour, everybody's putting in those same hours, but there's a few yeah. that just rise above. Okay, that makes me feel so much better about not putting 10,000 hours into literally anything. So. <laughs> yeah, like, you We're know what? Just, like, happy We're being good. mediocre. Love it. Yeah. So in addition to having a unique skating style, Saria's life story was very different from her peers, which added to this feeling that she was a bit of an enigma in the sport. And Didier, this new coach, tried to capitalize on this. He'd literally spread rumors to fan the hype. Oh. Okay. So he said Saria was actually born and abandoned in Réunion, which is a French island off the coast of Madagascar. A fact that commentators would regularly repeat like fun trivia while Saria was skating even though it wasn't true. Now on the ice, certainly with the most exotic of background, 18-year-old Surya Bonali, born in the island of Reunion, adopted as a baby in Nice, raised there, now lives in Paris, the two-time European champion in third place. He also said she was raised on a macrobiotic diet, which included birdseed, which isn't true. What? There's like a little bit of that icky feeling that he was sort of exotifying the other. You hate to see it. Mm-hmm, Yeah. When asked about it, he said, I made them up. Why? The journalists loved it. Okay. (laughs) One rumor he spread that was true was that Saria's mother never cut her hair until the 1992 games. So look, I don't know. Saria was surrounded by some fascinating, strange, possibly fucked up people. Yeah, sounds like That's what I'm getting so far. Not to mention she's adopted. Like she's already been through a world of... That's what I'm saying. She already has so much mystery around her. Mm -hmm. From the beginning, Didier had a contentious relationship with Bonali's mother, Suzanne. Saria is the adopted daughter of Georges and Suzanne Bonali. Her mother is an ever-present part of her skating career. This, too, was an open secret. A secret that, again, the figure skating commentators had no problem repeating while Saria would skate. Sometimes to the distraction of her coach, Didier Gaillaguet. Distraction and consternation. I mean, I get it. Suzanne's like, stop spreading rumors about my daughter and me. <laughs> daughter did not grow up on birdseed, you <laughs> asshole. That said, Suzanne was also a complicated cup of coffee. <laughs> That's not a real saying, but I'm starting it. Do you like it? Sorry, what do you put in your coffee, psycho? (laughs) You don't need to know. Oh. (laughs) Uh, People like to refer to how Suzanne was an ecologist, a Zen Buddhist, and a vegetarian as a way to give examples of how she was kind of an oddball. I mean, I'd say, like, you go with your weird self. But what I am flagging is that I don't think anyone would say Suze gave off warm vibes, and she was definitely a hovering stage mom. So the French press would take to calling her Dragon Lady because she was such a constant presence breathing down her daughter's neck. So so like in footage, and I will be honest, just from my memory of watching, which let's take that with a grain of salt. Her (laughs) mom was always like right there lurking behind her like Gollum or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Saria got her scores, when she got interviewed, who knows when else? I'm just saying Suzanne was there like my precious. She was there like right (laughs) next to her in your memory. Right there, always. Okay. So just a side note, apparently her father, George Bonali, was also in the picture, but not very well documented. He was probably like, I'm not trying to get in the way of any of this situation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But just more than personality, 
Saria's mom, Suzanne, and her coach, Didier, clashed over their views on training and competition. Suzanne was always hovering and very hard on Saria. So even though she wasn't one of the coaches, she would stand in the area that was supposed to be reserved for them during performances and would offer advice to her daughter. (laughs) Didier said, with the Olympics in France, she is putting a lot of pressure on her kids, sometimes too much pressure. It is stupid. Mm. That was his take. Saria later said, Back in the days, my mom become more attentive, try to spend time watching me at practice, even though she even tried to hide herself behind flower or tree pots, but she will always be here to watch me practice. (laughs) I'm sorry. Hiding behind flower pots. That's not super fucking weird. Wow. She was just so obsessed with her kid's career. We've already discussed this on this pod. Reshna is a full-blown stage mom, even though she won't admit <laughs> it. Well, I'm gonna, you're going to like be golfing because I'm so invested in your golfing career, and you're going to find me like hiding behind <laughs> like one of those, those machines nice where you clean your ball. Nice putt, Rach. I'm here, Rachel. <laughs> Keep your elbows straight. Anyway. Right down. Didier, the coach, would claim, quote, I have seen Suzanne yell, Miss the program? She slaps her, referring to her daughter. <gasps> oh, Hits her no, in the no, face no. with hockey sticks. I'm going to say this guy also admitted to making up stories to create hype, so... I'm sorry. He said that the mom hit her daughter with in the face with a hockey stick? I mean, that's what he's saying. That just doesn't make sense. Like, why? We'll see. To be fair, Saria vehemently denied the allegations of her mother's abuse, often with a laugh. She credits her mom as one of her earliest and most fervent supporters, noting that Suzanne encouraged her to try jumps that her coaches forbade her from attempting. Mm-hmm. She also joyfully recounted to the press about travels with her mom to early competitions, including one time where her mother tried to revive a bear with CPR. Okay. Uh, so I guess let's pause on that for a sec. <laughs> I want to do a follow-up story. Suzanne Bonali, true badass or psychopath? Wow. Unclear. So, hold on. Can you just repeat that line again? Revived a bear with CPR? She tried to revive a bear with CPR. Okay, girl. And what was her <laughs> what was her occupation? Like, what did she do for a living in? Zoologist? Gym teacher and oh, ecologist. Okay. Oh, I thought you said zoologist. And I was just like, okay, maybe there's something there. <laughs> I don't even know what a zoologist is, I, but I don't hey, know. Related to the zoo. Um, okay, so this is an interesting family. Sure. Got it. I'll say this for all her fucked upness. Suzanne would point to the fact that she was the mother of a young black daughter in a very white sport, and she felt protected of that, and I totally get that. Okay, I'll buy into that. Not sure I agree with how that manifested. Not sure how that means you have to give CPR to a bear, but that is fair. In what world are you giving CPR to a bear? Hey, man. In what? For what? In the world that you care. You know? I, <laughs> I mean, I feel like I care about animals. There's no fucking way I'd ever do, I would ever sure. do that. As he like mauls your face off. Sure. Literally. I've seen The Revenant. Excuse me. <laughs> Maybe you need to watch it. I guess so. But back to this story, Rachel. Yeah. Despite the coach and mom situation... And despite her unusual skating style, Saria was killing it. In 1987, she became the French junior champion and began competing in the junior circuit, often with programs with nine jumps, when six was typical. Just killing it. Ooh, above and beyond, baby. She won bronze at the 1989 Junior World Champions, silver in 1990, and finally gold in 1991. 
Also in 1991, she won the Senior European Championships and would go on to place first at that competition five years in a row. Oh, shit. (laughs) Amazing. She was known to have costumes that were more colorful and flashy than those of her peers. And during that first winning program at the European Championships in 1991, she released a dove during her performance as a message of peace during the Gulf War. Um, casual. Where are you putting that? Did she just bring it out holding it or did she like pull it out of her skirt? Aren't those stadiums indoors? Oh. <laughs> yeah, but aren't you always seeing like dicey pigeons in the, in the like rafters of those places? Fair. How did you get in here? I'll say this. Surya did things her own way. I will say that in that same performance, she landed five of seven triple jumps, which was a record at the time. So if you want to release a dove and then crush it, girl, by all means. At the Albertsville Olympics in 1992, the light was particularly bright on our young Saria since they were being held in her home country. But for her, there was no home court advantage. During a practice, she did a backflip, a girl and landed close to Japan's Midori Ito, prompting a judge to warn her not to attempt the move again. What? Can I just say what an intimidation tactic, just doing a flip in front of this other skater right before she goes on? It's like this girl's probably like, oh, fuck, I'm done. I'm done for sure. (laughs) I love it. The skating establishment had a real aversion to backflips, in my opinion, because they're just completely change and risk averse. I guess there's also a liability, but like there's kind of a liability in pairs when someone tosses someone in the air. There's a liability in figure skating, period. Period. Correct. So remember our girl Suzanne, Saria's mom? Yes. Who could forget? Bear CPR. She was livid that the judge reprimanded her daughter and was ranting but would not allow Saria to speak for herself, claiming that she had a sore throat. <laughs> what? So, you know, Suze. Suze. <laughs> Just doing her best. So anyway, Saria ended up complying and did not do another backflip at that Olympics, but she did abandon her choreography and instead attempt a quadruple toe loop. She does the quad. It'll be right here. She goes for it. Seemingly in protest for what she felt were unfair rules. But she didn't fall down. She botched the landing a bit and finished sixth in the free skate and fifth overall. But she became the first woman to attempt a quadruple toe loop in competition. Wow. Important to note, normally skaters never deviate from their choreography. Mostly yeah, because they spend. Scary. Yeah, they spend the entire skating season perfecting their chosen program. Also, the judges have all the skills that you're going to do on a sheet that you're planning on executing, so they know you're deviating. All this to say, fuck yes, protest that bullshit girl. Saria did on purpose. She continued to be a renegade. So after that Olympics, she parted ways with story maker-upper Didier, her coach. Good. Bye. Yeah. And then Suzanne moved her daughter's training to a remote village in the Swiss Alps. Oh, Mm. sounds picturesque. I know, beautiful. Then Suzanne was her primary coach from April to September. here we go. Here we go. Important to note, Suzanne was not a figure skater. She was a gym teacher. Just want (laughs) to... Important to note, Suzanne didn't even know how to skate. Yeah. (laughs) But after that, Surya did spend some time training in California with Frank Carroll, Michelle Kwan's coach. Under his direction, she began making accommodations to appear more likable to the judges, such as abandoning flashy and risky moves and making her hair more palatable to the mainstream. This is gross. This deeply sucks. 
and has weird, elitist, racist nonsense written all over it. I should add, Tanya Harding, who, like Surya, didn't fit the mold, similarly found herself critiqued and pushed to conform. And she's white, but still the homogenization and figure skating, bad. Like, real bad. Yeah, I remember that. I obviously watched I, Tanya, the movie, like most people did. I remember that being like a big part of it. Tough. So despite his push to mainstream Surya, she wanted to continue training with him. But the French Federation discouraged training abroad. So she ended up not being able to stay with him. In January 1994, Bonali placed first in all segments on her way to her fourth consecutive continental title at the European Championships in Copenhagen. Ooh! The other medalists at that competition were Oksana Bayul and Russia's Olga Markova. Okay. And then at the 1994 Olympics in Lillehammer, Surya placed fourth overall behind Bayul, Nancy Kerrigan, and Chen Lu. So she's doing great, but she's just not, like, cracking that top three. She's just, like, mm-hmm. not meddling. Mm-hmm. Little side note about those 1994 Olympics in Lillehammer. That's the same Olympics that Nancy Kerrigan won silver after the Tanya Harding scandal. Ooh. And also where Kerrigan was recorded being real petty about how much Oksana Bayul cried. Oh. Point is, all that mania really did overshadow the other skaters like Surya, who was totally breaking ground. Yeah, while also dealing with a bunch of shit from the judges and like probably Correct. just wants to do her own thing. And who knows what her mom Suzanne's up to, you know? Oh, and Suze, who could Suze, forget Suze? So just to say it, maybe you were tracking, maybe you weren't, but there was an Olympics in 1992 and then again straight away in 1994. And that's because that's the year they started staggering the winter and summer games and spacing mm. them two years apart. So before that, they were held in the same year. Right. Anyway, at the 1994 World Championships in Japan, Surya became frustrated that her accommodations to the mainstream weren't paying off. She said, quote, when I change to just normal skating, that's not good, too. I don't know what I have to do. It's crazy. And I get it. That year, despite toning it down and skating almost flawlessly, she still placed two-tenths of a point below the winner, Japanese skater Yuka Sato. She did everything the figure skating world wanted. She had a nice, pretty pink skating dress and hair and a very slick ponytail. And still, the LA Times framed it that it came down to a choice between Yuka Sato's artistry and dynamic footwork and Surya Bonali's gymnastics jumping. Our girl put on a pink Gwyneth at the Oscars outfit for that bullshit. Come on. Pass. Uh, we don't have time. Surya was so pissed that she didn't win at that world championships, she refused to bow her head to accept her silver medal. Well, this is extraordinary. As you can see, Yuka Sato at the top of the podium. What is Bonnelly doing? And Bonnelly has not gone on to the second place spot. So this is extraordinary. This is unbelievable. She tore it off almost immediately. That's like a that's like a direct slap in the of face. Of course, people didn't love that. Yeah. They judged it pretty harshly. The New York well, Times said she threw a temper tantrum. <laughs> so would I. This is stupid. The announcers, even in the moment, said that's like a direct slap in the face to a judges panel. It's like those judges we know are shady as fuck. They called it a disgrace. You can hear the booze. And they said you have to wonder what role her mother played. I'm amazed that, that she, that he would even do that. Well, that's nice, though. He has got her up on the podium. It's the audience reaction that's, that, that I find amazing. I mean, usually skating audiences are fairly 
fairly tolerant. Honestly, if you watch it, it's super emotional and gut-wrenching. You can almost feel that it's not just about this one moment, but a career full of different treatment and feeling misunderstood. I get that. Dare I say, I kind of like those moments when athletes show the their true, real emotion because yeah. it's like, oh man, these guys... They care so much. And that's what we're seeing. I would rather see that than them just take the silver medal and walk away. Like, no, you're pissed. Agreed. Surya was asked about it in 2019 in an interview, and she said, it happened too much. She's talking about that she got docked for being more athletic and not Mm -hmm. looking the part. Also, she said, because I was a woman, I think if I had been a man and did the same thing, it would have been okay. Because they'd say, he's a guy, he's a dude. But a woman was supposed to be dressed cute and shut up and just accept it. At this point, I'm like, I don't care what kind of sex I belong to. I need to show that that should not happen anymore. Mm -hmm. It was nothing against that skater or against the country. I love Japan, and I performed many years after that. And Yuka Sato is a great skater. Nothing against her. She's a good friend of mine. I think sometimes you have to stop and just say, guys, please try to be fair. And sport is a beautiful thing. We are not trying to do any politics. That's why we do sports. Because it's some kind of freedom that we can have and we can express ourselves through. Of course, we know, even if you don't want it, the politics always come in. And I get why she was super frustrated. I get why she wanted to make a statement up on that stand, both as a skater and as a black woman. Mm-hmm. I think I know the answer to this, but because figure skating is so based on like looks and polish, I wonder if the male category receives the same kind of treatment. Like if a guy came out seemingly, and I'm like doing finger quotes, like, you know, unkempt or like not flashy costumes, like I wonder if he would be treated the same way. I I feel though, like even if you watch it, they're like, he did a quadruple axle. Like they much more reward athleticism in male skating. 100%, yeah. Down with figure skating, you guys. Yeah. So yeah, to your point, on the skating front alone, there was a double standard because of her athleticism and unique style that didn't conform to the norms of the time. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to argue that race also didn't play a role. But of course, Rachel, there's always a white person to tell you otherwise. (laughs) Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Sonia Kaminsky, who has worked as a U.S. figure skating judge for 28 years, said that Bonali's style was unorthodox, but is certain that race was a non-factor. Cool, 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 cool. Totally don't need to question the assessment of a white woman entrenched for almost three decades in a deeply white and privileged sport that race did not play a role. Thanks. Yes, thank you for chiming in, Sonia. Thank you. Look, as ever, I'm sure it was a combination of factors, but like, come on, man. That said, Saria herself won't fully commit to the role that racism played, mostly because she doesn't want to make excuses. She told Radiolab... Maybe I won't be accepted by a white person, but if I'm better, they have no choice. She also said I was disappointed, but calling the decision unfair means I'm blaming someone else and I'm not going to do that. So I got to say, I spent my entire life on that tip. Like I was conditioned to think that pointing out any racism meant that I was like leaning on some sort of crutch. And so I wouldn't do it. So no one ever thought I was like manipulating it to get something. Right. (laughs) 
Society's so fucked up. Do you feel like as you've gotten older and like matured and especially like the way that the world is now that that's changed? In yeah. You? And I hope more than anything, I hope that the people who sort of want it to be that people feel shame to point out racism can see that like it's valuable and important to see it. Yeah. And look, it's just sort of impossible to divorce the strict and narrow expectations to which female skaters were and are held from the white hegemony in which they were developed. What a sentence. I sound smart. That's a Caroline Reston sentence, and we know it. Yeah, that just flew way over my head. She's smart. I usually take those out of my script. (laughs) (laughs) So look, we just got real intellectual and deep, but there's a pretty fun conclusion here to get to. Which I will do. Okay. After we go to some ads, girl. Be patient. Support for Hall of Shame comes from Lord Jones, makers of the world's finest CBD products. CBD is all the rage these days, but pioneer brand Lord Jones is considered the gold standard. For years, they've been changing people's lives with their premium CBD products. From world-class skincare to tinctures and gel capsules to decadent gumdrop confections. If you're curious about what CBD can do for you, trust me, you'll want to start with the best. Lord Jones is crafted with the highest quality ingredients and premium hemp-derived CBD that's lab-tested for purity, strength, and consistency. In fact, Lord Jones has been featured in the New York Times, People Vogue, Vanity Fair, and more, and now they are inviting you to experience the finest CBD products available. Go to lordjones.com shame to get 25% off your first order. Go to lordjones.com shame for 25% off your first order. lordjones.com shame. Hall of Shame is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. Beekeepers is on a mission to reinvent your medicine cabinet with clean remedies that actually work. Their flagship product, Propolis Throat Spray, is your daily defense when it comes to supporting your immune health and soothing sore and scratchy throats. Never heard of Propolis before? It is a powerful, antioxidant-rich bee product with medicinal use dating back to 300 BC. If people are still using something from 300 BC... Guys, we know it works, okay? I use the throat spray every single night before I go to bed. We are blasting AC up in this house because it is hot out and there are germs and my throat gets dry. And then I have a sore throat and then I have a full on breakdown. So we don't want that, do we? That's why I use throat spray. And this stuff is not honey. Propolis is made and used by bees to defend their hive from germs. It is the hive's immune system. Guys, bees know what's up. There's also the Beelixir Brain Fuel. I really like this stuff. I've talked about this before. I'm not a huge coffee drinker. It gives me the jitters. I'm already like full of energy. I, don't, I just don't need it. But sometimes a little bit foggy and I need like a little pick-me-up. And so I take a shot first thing in the morning or before I go on an important Zoom call or literally before I call my mom so I can put together comprehensive sentences. You can find your flow and be on your A-game with the Beelixir Brain Fuel without caffeine or sugar. We could all use a little more daily defense right now, and Propolis Throat Spray is a game changer. It's time to give your medicine cabinet an upgrade with Beekeepers Naturals. To save 15% on your first order, go to beekeepersnaturals.com shame. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S dot com slash shame to get 15% off. Meet your new medicine cabinet with Beekeepers Naturals. So we just wrapped up talking about the unfair treatment of Saria Bonali. 
And now we're at the 1998 Winter Olympics in Nagano, Japan, where Saria's coming off an Achilles injury. Ouch. So remember, she's never medaled at the Olympics. As a result of that injury, she was in sixth place after the short program. So the night of the long program, she knew she did not, again, have a chance to medal. So she's going through her routine. It's amazing. It's so fun. Like, actually, if you watch her, you're like, how is she getting docked for being so athletic? It's, like, that much more dynamic and fun to watch. It's almost like what makes figure skating relatable to everyone, in a way. Yeah. So she's going through it. She's doing her routine. And then she decides to go for it. (gasps) She knows she can't complete her planned triple lutz because of her injury. So instead... Wait for it. Are you excited? Backflip. Totally illegal in competition. She does a backflip and lands on one leg. (laughs) Oh, my God. You can hear the gasps from the knowledgeable crowd. That's an in-your-face move. Very much so. You can tell that basically she's showing the world she can do the backflip. So it's like, I don't care about the medals. I want to get the crowd. I'm having trouble with the triple lock. Backflip's going to get them. It was the first and only time the move has ever been done at the Olympics. Partly because it was banned in 1976, but good for her! (laughs) Well, the reaction from this judging panel will be really interesting. That's what she chose to do because she was injured. She's like, I'm gonna take it easy. I'm gonna do it on one leg so I don't hurt my injury. Flip, land on one, we'll be good to go. Yeah. That's insane. It felt like such a cathartic fuck you to all the judges, all the journalists, all the skaters who judged her. Saria made history just by being herself. Hell yeah. Crowd went. Wild! Saria told The Root, I wanted to leave a trademark. And she did. And then she told the Miami Herald, the judges are not pleased no matter what I do. And I knew I couldn't go forward anyway because everybody was skating so good. I love it. Newsday wrote, it was a stunning backflip. The Boston Globe said illegal, but astounding. (laughs) And the Hamilton Spectator, a Canadian newspaper. Are you Famels, Mm -hmm. Rachel? I'm Famels of Hamilton. Okay called it the most elaborate expletive in Olympic history. Oh, well. I love it. We know what we're talking about. I wish that she just like gave the middle finger as she was doing the backflip. That would have been awesome. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, American NBC commentator Scott Hamilton, ever the buzzkill, was like totally illegal in competition. She (gasps) did it to get the crowd, but she's going to get nailed. Whatever, man. And I'm jealous because I can't do it. (laughs) I'll say this. You love to see it. (laughs) Saria retired after this exclamation point on her badass career Mm -hmm. as well she should totally so for 15 years after her competitive career ended she toured with the champions on ice she performed her signature backflip every night oh I see now the backflip is all good oh now it's accepted okay got it Saria and Sus mama Mm -hmm. eventually moved to Vegas and became US citizens then our girl met and eventually married Peter Biver, an Olympic gold medalist in pair skating. They now both coach in Minnesota. Come on. Of course they moved to Minnesota. So cute. In 2019, she was part of a Netflix series called Losers, which offers a survey of noble failure, exploring moments of finding great strength and opportunity in great loss. And Saria Bonali definitely has. Yeah. She now serves as a champion for peace with the organization Peace and Sport and advocates for young athletes to use their talent as a means of confronting discrimination. Ooh. Love it. She told The Root she's encouraged by the increasing diversity of her sport. 
She said, quote, it's starting to be a little better, but back in the day, skating was so expensive. I mean, it's still an expensive sport. Also, when you're black, you don't really consider winter sports, but skating was just really expensive. I was lucky because my mom was a skating coach, so it was easier for me, but that's not the case for everybody. So since Saria's time, figure skating has introduced changes that would have benefited her and all who have trouble fitting into the mold. The new rules have clearer distinctions between the scory of technical elements like jumps and spins and the more amorphous style element that gets way too much credit at times. They also lightened restrictions on music and fashion. But I think in general, these sports like figure skating with such Mm -hmm. big barriers to entry financially as it is, Mm -hmm. have to look at how they can be more inclusive. Wouldn't you say? I would absolutely say. I feel like there are so many rules of figure skating, whether they lightened them or not. Like, I'm just thinking about it now. There's no way I would have wanted to do that. Like, I loved skating. I played hockey. And maybe in another world, if I didn't have to wear, like, a tutu, maybe I would have been interested in it. But (laughs) it just seems like, you know, incredibly feminine. And I was not that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they need to open it up for all types of people. And not just the Nancy Kerrigans of the world, you know? Exactly. Like dance and gymnastics. Like I feel like there's a lot of rules when it comes to that with like music and stuff like that. Like, girl, if you want to cater to all of these different generations and you want to bring in as many people as you possibly can, don't play. You really think that this 12-year-old girl wants to go out and dance to classical music on the ice? Maybe some of them do, but like a lot of girls want to go hit Beyonce. I'll tell you what, if you want people to think about figure skating more than once every four years when the Olympics happens, maybe like make it a little more accessible. How about that? Exactly. I can't remember her name. Caitlin, the UCLA athlete. Oh, the gymnast. Her name is Caitlin. The gymnast, I remember came out, um, whatever that was, like two years ago, came out with this like really fun funky routine and just killed it. And as somebody who is not interested in gymnastics whatsoever, I watched it, retweeted it. I was like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I'm the biggest gymnastics fan in the world. (laughs) Hello. But yeah, I just feel like it's so old school in so many ways and it needs to, I know you said it's like lightened up, but like lighten all the way up. Let people do what they want. There's still more lightning to do, my dudes. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the end of my story. Saria oh, Bonali wow. did her part to lighten it up. I'll say that. I don't think I can't even do a backflip Im- immersed in a pool, <laughs> fully underwater. <laughs> You're like, I got water up my nose. <laughs> like, I can't even do that. Sure. Let alone on ice skates, landing on one foot. Like that's a feat. Like well, an incredible human feat. Let's add her to the list of queens we've gotten to know doing oh, this podcast. We've right? gotten to know so many queens. Yeah, absolutely. She's Love amazing. It. Add it to the merch. Let's get figure skating merch. <laughs> Who knows what's up next week? A new queen, something different, but we'll be back. More Olympics. Yes. Exciting. Yeah, I'm psyched. I'm sure there's going to be some cheating scandals on the way. Thank you guys so much for listening. Reshna, great job. That was a good one. Oh, thanks. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Hall of Shame is a product of Crooked Media. The show is produced by Caroline Reston and Allison Falzetta. Our executive producers are Sarah Geismer and Stephen Hoffman. Engineering and sound design by Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis. Our theme music is by Taka Yasuzawa. Thank you to Sydney Rapp and Brian Semmel for production support every week. 
Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix.